0: Welcome to the third hour of the program, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Pete Callender Show. I am Pete, and you can email me, Pete, at thepetecallendershow.com. I I lined all of this stuff up so it'd be as easy as possible, and it is Callender with a K. And joining me now is Tyler Lee with an L. Tyler Lee is running for Congress, and we chatted with him a little bit yesterday but uh i said i'd have him back on so here i am making good on uh that promise hello uh welcome back to the show tyler how are you
1: hey pete thanks for having us back yeah appreciate you following through with the promise yeah well most politicians
0: oh there you go see he took the (laughs) uh he took the uh the layup that i gave him i appreciate it so uh tell us a little bit about yourself because i know yesterday we just chatted for a minute or so um but tell us a little bit of your your background and I am particularly interested in your takeover of the Homeowners Association. I, have, a, I have, a, <laughs> have some questions about that, but go ahead.
2: Well, a little
1: bit on me. I, you know, I've been a Christian, uh, grew, up, grew up in Virginia, been a Christian uh, since, I was, since I was six years old, lifelong conservative, and a businessman for a decade. Graduated from Liberty University, started one of the very first sweet frog frozen yogurt shops right out of college, was very successful and blessed with that. Um, created jobs. Our, our company was debt-free and, and had it for seven years. And then I moved on to real estate investing. So I've created hundreds of jobs in the district and thousands indirectly uh, by fixing and flipping homes, uh, investing in, in other rental properties. And, uh, and and as you mentioned earlier, I, I turned around a bankrupt HOA because I was just fed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were this this board was running our community into the ground. They had no money. They weren't raising dues and, and staying on top of things. And I just got fed up. And so uh, I stepped up to the plate, ran for, ran for president. And in two years, you know, it was one of the, the, the quickest turnarounds an HOA has ever seen, according to the management company that managed tens of thousands of doors. So we were very successful with that. But the common denominator here is, you know, God has given me the ability for two things, customer service, which as a as a congressman, you know, you have to be able to relate to your constituents and be there for them and listen to them and execute on that, you know, and understand what's best for them. And then secondly, just turning things around, you know, taking something of no value and giving it value. And right now, America is in that situation. You know, we, we have a mess on our hands. And so I've been called out of the business world to who take my experience to D.C. because I'm tired of these bought and paid for politicians who cater to donors, who cater to PACs, and they don't listen to their constituents. And, and we're in the mess we're in because, of, because they're just not listening to us. They legislate from an ivory tower in D.C. and they're not in the trenches.
0: So we're the fixer-upper. America is the fixer-upper that needs flipping, if I'm getting the analogy correct.
1: Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> I, I believe that. I mean, we're, we're in a mess right now,
0: yeah. you know? So, uh, you don't own the sweet frog anymore. Cause I was going to say, you know, you could do some events at the sweet frog and that would probably be very popular if you like gave out frozen yogurt, you know?
1: Oh, it was, so it was, it was an incredible experience. I owned it for seven years, but, but I exited, uh, the, the company and successfully sold it right. and, uh, and decided to focus on real estate investing.
0: Yeah. Also, I think my advice might be illegal. So don't, don't do that. I think you can't, <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't think you're allowed to give out Uh, frozen yogurt Uh, I'm not sure so you might want to just check with the lawyers before you listen to me okay just I'm I'm just (laughs) a radio host we'll we'll double check on that okay
1: no no freebies you know we're not a charity just like the government thinks they're a charity and we're going to put a stop to that
0: so you are running in the 12th district this is the seat right that's held by Alma Adams Democrats this is a drawn district for Democrats and so do you really even have a shot Um, I guess first you've got the primary to get through though right you know, Pete.
1: I, I looking at the data. You know, it you would it, it would seem like this is a is a is a nail in the coffin. But honestly, I felt like there was a there's a path to victory here because I have been campaigning for twelve months now, even before the districts were were announced. And the emotion on the ground does not equate to the the data that we're seeing, right? And so, um, I'll, I'll give you two examples. Uh, two days ago, I was in Mint Hill. There's a sandwich shop owner who's a who's a Democrat voted for Joe Biden in 2020. Well, he lives in Durham, North Carolina. He commutes a couple times a week to Mint Hill because he cannot find people to work in his shop. And he said, Tyler, I made a mistake. I voted Democrat in 2020. I won't do that again. I've learned my lesson because he's now having to work in his business that he wanted passive income from. Another story. I was in, uh, I believe it was at the Mint Hill Library last week was a gentleman campaigning for a democrat candidate and he said tyler i think alma adams needs to go home and spend time with their grandkids you have my vote in the general election he's a democrat that's what he said and there's countless stories that we're hearing from people on the ground from unaffiliates and democrats uh certainly the republicans you know we we believe they'll show up and support us um but but we just need to get them out and motivated get them off the couch show up to vote because we do outnumber them but you know I just need them to get out and vote. We can take the 12th district back. I think it's the best shot where in unprecedented times, people are feeling the squeeze from high gas prices. You know, that's not a blue or red issue. Mm-hmm. You're still paying $4 a gallon at the pump, no matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. And People are feeling the pinch, and They're going to vote with their wallets in November.
0: Yeah. So do you have any kind of gauge um, from like just an internal polling and trend lines that you guys are looking at, or maybe you're not? I don't know. Uh, but do, do you have any kind of a gauge, though, as to uh, what the issues are and how you are polling? And does that translate? To, do, does the do the issues translate to your support is what I'm asking, So, because a lot of times you can go out and you can talk to these individuals at the the library, at the shop, whatever. And I, and I get that those are real people and those anecdotes do have some value. But if that's not a widespread trend that you're going to see turn out in the vote totals, then. Like then they're just anecdotes, you know.
1: Yeah, what what we've seen the 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 turn from when I started twelve months ago, you know, election election integrity is, is obviously a a big one in in border security, you know, defending our border. But um, we're seeing the turn now that things have changed in twelve months. We're seeing the turn on the ground with inflation seems to be a, a common one. I mean, I, I met with an eighty year old woman uh, when we were door knocking, and and she said, I can't go get a set another job because mm-hmm. I'm eighty years old. And so she's having to choose between food or gas or electricity bills, and that's what we're hearing. Secondly, crime, crime is on the rise. You know, people want to live in safe neighborhoods. That, that again, that's not a red or a blue issue. That that people want to be safe. And and thirdly, you know, we are hearing from people that they do not want the government to co-parent with them. Now, federally, you know, we have a smaller percentage uh, that that we give to the states, but but still. You know, some of these grants, we're told, have CRT and other other things in them that uh, that these school boards don't agree with. So those are those are the top three issues that I'm hearing right now in the last three or four months. And then obviously, like I said, election integrity, Mm -hmm. we need to win elections. Uh, and and certainly um, the border is, is is huge. So those well, are probably the top five issues right now.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, it would be nice too if the feds. Uh, I mean, I know they're not you know overly or I shouldn't say they they shouldn't be involved in the education realm really at all. Uh, but uh, you know, the least they could do is like not sick the fbi on parents that are mad about mask policy at the local school board you know maybe don't do that that's a that would be i'm okay with just that first step baby steps i'm a pragmatist you know I, I try to find middle ground with people so maybe they could just not start targeting uh parents for protesting at school board meetings and then maybe we can work on some of the bigger federal issues with education i don't know but but see
1: they keep poking the berries yeah they they the Look at Virginia, look at the governor's race. You know, the mama bears showed up and voted. And so if these Democrats keep poking the bear, they're shooting themselves in the foot. So I'm not sure who's <laughs> who's uh, giving them these strategies, but they just seem absurd
0: to me. Well, and
1: they're really yeah, upsetting people.
0: Yeah, it gives the Republicans the the lane of becoming the party for parents. And parents is not is not a a, a, a defined Sort of demographic that is limited to race and ethnicity and even, you know, gender or anything. Like parents are a huge group of people that everybody either is a parent or knows a parent or wants to be a parent. It's a very large demographic. And it just seems like they are giving you that demographic.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Democrats obviously are the best campaigners for us right now.
0: So as painful as it is where we're
1: at, I don't want to see the country go down the tubes. But we, I don't have any faith in the, in the leaders of this country and the Democrat Party. So I believe it's just going to get worse before it gets better before November. So if they keep at this rate, I believe we'll beat Alma Adams. Uh, you know, we need people to show up and uh, be encouraged and get their friends out, tell their network to get out and vote, get off that couch, because uh, this, is the, this is the best shot. You know, they redrew these districts, and, and, and the 12th is, is, is purple now. We've got some strong red areas like Mint Hill. Um, Cornelius, you know, some some in Cabarrus there. So there's some really good areas where we're focusing, and uh, we just need people to get out and vote. Vote
0: Votetylerlee.com is the website. Votetylerlee.com. Tyler, Tyler, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Good luck on the campaign trail. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me go over here to Steve. Hello, Steve. How is it going? Hey, Pete. How are you? I'm doing well. What's up?
2: Hey, uh, I want to say first, I really appreciate the coverage you do on local and state politics. You just do a fantastic
0: job with it. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Well, and I've got a question for you, Pete. All right, um, you know I hear uh, Pat McQuarrie on your station an awful lot, and and but I don't ever hear Marjorie Eastman, mm-hmm. and I'd like I haven't heard you do much coverage on her at all either.
0: I, well, and she I'd. I'd was... like to
2: encourage you to give this woman a chance. She she's a uh, a, a Combat veteran which mm-hmm. none of the men running against her have served this country and, and this woman loves this state and our country and yet we're not getting a chance to hear from her. And I'd really like to ask you to consider you only got one hour today and then Monday to get her on your show. And well, I think Margin at dot or Are you are
0: you, are you a today. campaign volunteer for her, Steve? No, sir. I okay. Not. I'm a veteran. Okay.
2: And, and I, I think this woman is exactly what we need up there. We don't need any more career rhino politicians up there in the Senate. And uh,
0: see the all right. So he, so yeah, Steve, yeah. because you asked, here you go. I'm going to lay all of it out. I I, I wasn't impressed with her at the debate. I didn't think she, I, I didn't think she was ready to take on Sherry Beasley at a national level. I don't think she's ready for a statewide office run. I don't. Um, but she may. I, I could be wrong on that. Just my opinion. Um, but it I would still have her on the program. If she wanted to come on, I would absolutely bring her on. My door is open. I, I don't I don't go out of my way to book uh, uh, politicians, elected officials, candidates. The people that you hear, they're people that asked to be on. And generally speaking, okay. I accommodate that. Um because I, I, I believe it to be part of the public service. Now, there are some times where I do want to hear from, particularly an elected official about something that's outside of an election cycle, right? Like that's, if we're not, if there's no campaign going on, there's no election going on and I've got, uh, you know, a a local congressman on, it's because I wanted to talk with them about some issue and I may have reached out to them to get them on. But generally, I mean, you listen to the show, Steve, I don't need to have any guests. I don't need to have any callers. I am perfectly capable of talking to the wall here for three hours, right? (laughs) So I'm all right with it. Now, um, but I, I think I mean I, I like some of the stuff that Eastman says. I have heard her uh, on with the morning show. She's been on with the morning folks a couple of times. I want to say uh, I think she may have been on with Brett Winterbull. Maybe I don't remember. Um, but no, if, if if they wanted to be on and they reach out, yeah, we make them we make time available. I have for everybody else. That's how that guy yesterday got on. That uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, B K McGinnis. So, but but if you're asking for my assessment of her. As a candidate, I think maybe she she could have started off with a with a run for a maybe a, a, not an office. That's the U.S. Senate. And I think that yeah. the response that you that, that you see in the polls and, and people, they don't they don't know a lot about her. Um, and honestly, the people that are voting in primaries tend to be the most engaged in their party and they don't know a lot about her. So. Yes, that's difficult. And then you say, well, Pete, you should have her on. And then they would know about her. Sure. But if the people who are most motivated to vote in the primary, if they're not even checking out your website before you come on my show, then I don't know. It's there's maybe there's something to that. You know, I I, I don't know. I just I thought when I watched her in the debate, she seemed very nervous. She seemed to kind of get lost in some places. And some of her answers I, I just didn't think were. We're kind of ready for prime time, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm following you with that, and and and. Uh, but you got to consider he's a very newcomer standing up toe to toe with a couple of career politicians. I agree, and, and that's a hard place to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and another thought here in North Carolina, there are seven hundred thousand veterans in this state, mm-hmm. and if they could, if they could get behind a fellow veteran. They blow Pat his head completely out of the water. And, and
0: uh No, I got so you. I hey, you I gotta know. run. I'm like two three minutes almost too late for the uh, the news here. Steve, I do appreciate the call and thank you for the endorsement of Marjorie Eastman. Like I said, if they wanna be on, uh reach out, tell them to get uh get a hold of us. Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Got a tweet here. It's a Pete tweet from Deacon who says, I've been in District 12 for six years. Alma Adams has got to go. (laughs) Tyler, he says, has has my vote. Uh, There you go. I don't, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. We just moved into our new district. So, you know, so I don't know, like the last cycle we were in, the South Park area. Now we're in West Mech. And so, and so it's weird because we're not inside city limits. And anyway, so we're trying to figure all of that out for the next, uh, for the general. Man, it's going to be crazy. All right, so uh, let me get back to this WRAL piece about uh, Sherry Beasley. She is the front runner, the anointed one, the soon-to-be-ordained Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate. And uh, they are... Um, acting as the narrative stenographers for her campaign pitching her as the moderate and one of the reasons why she's a moderate is because she has been critical of her own party and they don't really explain how she's been critical of the party but they just say she has been look she's been willing to take her own party to task and also that she doesn't uh, she doesn't show up with the uh, when the Biden and the Harris folks come to town And that is supposed to mean what exactly? Because Beasley has said scheduling conflicts prevented her from attending scheduling conflicts. So, in other words, if there was no scheduling conflict for literally every time Biden and Kamala Harris come to town every single time, there's a scheduling conflict. But if there wasn't a scheduling conflict for any of those visits that she totally would have been seen with him and gotten her picture taken with the president. Is that right? I just want to be clear. What is WRAL trying to tell me? They're trying to gaslight me. That's what's happening. They also say absences that have been seen by some political observers as an effort to create separation from an unpopular president. (gasps) No way! Who would say such a thing? Some political observers. You mean like... Every political observer. I would love to see a day in North Carolina political media where the people who are hired to cover politics are able to discern or decipher or figure out any kind of a political motivation that a Democrat might have for anything. They got the Republicans coming and going. They know every potential motive for everything a Republican does. They, uh, they, they will opine. They will speculate. They'll do the some say. They'll do this all the time. But when it comes to Democrats, like now some people say that she's just trying to distance herself. Some political observers. What's a political observer, by the way? Who? Who is that? Who's saying that? Most often when you hear that type of language in a news story, that's the reporter saying that. That's the reporter saying something that they want to say without having to say, I said it. Right? So they'll just say, some say, or some political observers. When obviously, obviously, every single visit that the president and the vice president make to the state and Sherry Beasley cannot be seen with them and she cites scheduling conflicts every single time, And the president is underwater in the polling. And what, you can't find a single Democratic consultant? You can't find a single person to go on record and say, nobody wants to be seen with this president. You can't find anybody? Seriously? Beasley supports eliminating the filibuster. Because she's a moderate, you see. Don't you see? That's what moderates support. Blowing up the institution of the U.S. Senate. So she support. This is so stupid. Listen to this. This is this is why I call it gaslighting. The W.R.A.L. reporters here, Brian Anderson and Lena Tillett, they're engaging in gaslighting. They're trying to convince you that what you are seeing and what you are hearing is not actually real. OK, Beasley supports eliminating the filibuster, they say. And then they define it. The 60 vote threshold required in the U.S. Senate for most legislation, unlike some moderate members of her party. Oh, okay. So now she's she's got a position that's that's at odds with the moderates in her party. Okay. She opposes expanding the number of justices on the U.S. Supreme Court, which is supported by more liberal Democrats. Hey guys, hey reporters, again, I'm about to float an idea here. Maybe there's a political motive at play. Just gonna spitball here. But hear me out. So Beasley gets to say, I want to eliminate the filibuster, but I don't want to pack the court. So let's go ahead and eliminate the filibuster. Okay. That's a, that's a more progressive, more left-wing idea than the moderates in the party. Okay. So let's eliminate the filibuster. What do you think the next act is in that play? What comes next? Let's again, let's just let's just game theory this out for a second. What is the very next thing that Democrats do once they blow up the filibuster, assuming they still have power, assuming Sherry Beasley is now one of the, you know, 50 plus one U.S. senators and they control that chamber. What do you think they do after they get rid of the filibuster and can now just ram anything through with a 51 vote majority? That's right. They want to pack the court. That's what they're going to... They've said they want to do it. 48 of them have already said they'll do it. So Beasley's like, oh, no, no. I I, I totally would not vote for that. I would not... Well, okay, well, what happens if Democrats end up with a 53-seat, 52-seat majority? Beasley says no. Manchin says no. And then every other Democrat says yes. Oh, you still get to pack the court. See, so blowing up the filibuster gets you to the thing that she says, oh, I totally wouldn't do that. And unlike many in her party, Beasley has not said whether she'd forgive any amount of college student loan debt. So she's not answering on one of the other. So you gave me three things. On one of them, you say, so she's to the left of the moderates. On the other thing, you say that she's among the moderates. Although the first item will allow you to get around the moderates on the second item, and then she's mum on the third. She does, however, support a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy, which is in line with her party, most Americans, and a plurality of North Carolinians, according to public polls. Gaslighting. I actually wrote this guy a letter, or a uh, not a letter, a tweet. I sent him a direct message, and I was like, "Do you understand how that?" undermines credibility of you and your organization and why people on the right hold you in such contempt for this stuff. (music) News Talk 1110-99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. Going into the weekend, got a little surprise for folks coming up here in a bit. Um, Going over this WRAL story, though. Sherry Beasley purporting to be a moderate WRAL, doing its best to carry that water for her. Uh, and says that uh, she does support a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy, which is in line with her party, most Americans and a plurality of North Carolinians. See, that's not exactly entirely correct, because when people are asked more specifically about what point do you terminate pregnancy? The numbers change. The numbers change. So Brian Anderson doesn't tell you the full truth here. And then later on in the piece, he says um, He has a quote from Beasley. If I were in the U.S. Senate today, I would work hard to codify Roe v. Wade. This is a constitutional right. So that's what Democrats pitched their vote on Wednesday as an attempt to codify Roe v. Wade, to put it into code, right, to write a law about it. They didn't even have the ability to get all of their Democrat uh, members on board with that. But Beasley's not asked, would you support that bill? She doesn't say if she would support that bill that the Democrats all voted for, except for Manchin, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. So would she have supported that bill? Because that bill allowed abortion on demand through the entire pregnancy. That is not a popular position. That is not the view of most North Carolinians, of most Americans. It isn't. But that's the way WREL framed it. Beasley portrayed top Republicans vying for the seat of retiring GOP U.S. Senator Richard Burr as too extreme on abortion. Yet, it is her position that would be extreme if she were to be voting for that Democrat bill. Would she vote for that Democrat bill? I do not know. Nobody asked her. A Meredith College survey, a Meredith College survey released Tuesday, found that 53% of North Carolina voters want to see a law to expand or keep in place the current provisions of Roe v. Wade. People don't know what those provisions are, and they don't know what the bill was. Roe v. Wade was upended by Casey. I get the feeling that the reporters don't really understand this either. All right, it's Friday. I want you to have a great weekend, and this is for all the folks that used to ride this song to The weekend with me for years. Two six-packs of Shiner, 99-cent
3: butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler, take a guess at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. In a ragtop Mustang Followed us down to the lake And didn't have to think about that too long Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight Situation couldn't be more right
0: All right, so remember, Brett Winterbill coming up next. Mm-hmm. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. We go-